Blog Talk Radio. friend, Reverend Shar McCain, I'd like to welcome listeners to Sacred Sunday. Sacred Sunday was created to just focus on the tenet that Sunday is a special day to set aside some time for spiritual focus, meditation, and prayer. All faiths are welcome. I personally am a Christian in recovery, and all Bibles readings will be out of my Ryrie Study Bible, and of course, you can use any Bible you wish. I've had many spiritual experiences, and in gratitude 
We have ongoing Bible readings and discussion about our spiritual experiences. We just want to set aside time for Sunday, the morning, to be holy, and that we respect uh, what is told to us in the Bible. I'm just focused on being my real self and carrying the message given to me. And this morning, we're keeping in mind the terrorist attacks of Paris and all the Parisians that are hurt and suffering and scared. We have them in our prayers and our thoughts, and we'll be uh, bringing them into our thoughts and prayers uh, for the rest of the week. And uh, may God bless them and help them. And uh, we're very sorry about what happened. It was very much reminded me of the 911 attacks here, and it's very upsetting. So we keep Paris on our minds and in our prayers. And if you have a special prayer this morning, the call in number is 619-924-9744. And Sacred Sunday airs every Sunday at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. So let's say the opening prayer together. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Pray for all the Christians being persecuted worldwide. Their freedom to worship and lives are in great jeopardy. Those who have taken lives for distorted and evil reasons, that they had, we believe that those dead have become martyrs. We pray for all those suffering from violence here at home and abroad, of course, in Paris at the moment and also other places that have been attacked recently. We pray for those who are sick in mind and body, those who are lonely and uncomforted. Forgive us, God, for our sins. We pray for those suffering from domestic violence in their own home and freedom from addictions of all kinds. Please, God, send your mighty Archangel Michael to fight against evil and protect everybody and all your angels to watch over everyone. Our prayers go out to those who suffer in the world, including the animals that can't speak for themselves. We pray for their safety and their kindness shown to them. We also pray for the wisdom of our president and the rest of the policymakers. But they have many decisions to make, and we are praying for all countries for problems of suffering all over the world. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And we ask Jesus to bless us and help us grow under his care and to use his example to have love for the world. We thank you, God, for everything. And everyone and their families are in our prayers this morning. Thank you, God. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Okay, and um, now I want to wish uh, we have a few birthdays this morning. And the first one is my dear Facebook friend, Constantinos Papadamakos. He's just 30 years old. Happy birthday, Constantinos. Jim Ames. Claire Watson, my cousin by marriage. Melissa McIntosh Sullivan and Ross A. Minor, another good friend and gaming buddy. And I wish you all a very happy and blessed birthday and a very, very prosperous year ahead. So just let me know if you want me to see on air any um, anniversaries or birthdays or anything else. So uh, remember, if you'd like a special prayer request or positive intention, you can call in 619-924-9744. Or uh, if you don't have a Bible this morning, you can go to www.biblegateway.com or use the, uh, when I'm online and I need a reference uh, and uh, I don't have my Bible with me, I use www.biblia.com and that's a really good resource and my favorite uh, for online Bible reading. 
So anyway, let's go through last week because we're actually on chapter 13. And that's the end of Corinthians. Because uh, then we're going to go on to Galatians next next uh, week. And uh, to review last week, um, Paul uh, is uh, talking about you know his his right to be the top apostle, and that um, he's basically in some sort of argument with the Corinthians. And uh, let's just read the notes here. Uh, but wait, you want more Corinthians? You got it. Let's talk visions. Paul's had those too. One time, 14 years ago, Paul was caught up into the third heaven. Yeah, that's right. Paul had a vision that he was transported to paradise. He saw all kinds of things and things he can't even tell people about. And then it says, uh, uh, look, Paul hates all this brag and he absolutely despises doing it. He's been back to into a corner and the Corinthians are asking him to prove himself. So what else can he do? He hates talking about himself, but, you know, he only wants to brag about the things God has done. But even God doesn't want Paul to get high and mighty. After he had all this amazing vision of heaven, he had some medical problems, and he says a thorn was given to his flesh. And that doesn't sound too good, but that's the way God works sometimes, just so we don't be proud, I guess. So then um, Paul, you know, had this illness, he prayed three times for the misery to end already and because he, he's tired of it. And we don't know what the illness was. But finally God told him to knock it off because he said, My grace is sufficient to you for the powers made perfect in weakness. And as much as we don't want to feel that way, that his power is made perfect in weakness, our weakness, and much as we get mad, but it's true because we have our own way. We have a bent brain and uh, we need to stick on the straight and narrow road and uh, the Paul okay this is how Paul knows that God is cool with weakness that Paul basks in the glow of his upper powerlessness and his weakness actually makes him strong but that put that in your pipe and smoke it false prophets anyway honesty thy name is Paul yes Paul is acting really stupid now by doing all this bragging but he's been forced to by the Corinthians they should have been defending him, and instead they were closing up to the false apostles. First shame. And after all, what did he really do wrong? And he doesn't talk how awesome he is day and night. That's terrible. He doesn't take money for them. Comes to his third visit to Corinth, which is happening soon, and that's what we're going to read about today. Their money has no good to him. After all, parents support their children, not the other way around. Paul is one proud papa. Anyway, he still uh, swears up and down. He hasn't taken any money for them, and there's still some suspicion around how he's trying to scam the Corinthians because that's the way the Corinthians feel. And there are rumors floating around that Paul may be keeping a little bit of money for them, quite changes for, for himself. Paul mentions Titus and the other guy he sent. Remember that from Chapter 9? Anyway, to defend himself, none of them have been dishonest at all. Anyway, the rumor mills at work, and look, Paul, says everything for their own good, typical dad stuff, and Paul's pretty worried that when he visits next time, things are not going to go well. The Corinthians aren't going to like him, and they won't be happy with them either. He's heard rumors of all kinds of bad stuff. Remember, the Corinthians are known for fights, jealousy, anger, selfishness, gossip, arrogance, sexual immorality. They were known for that at the time. Things sound pretty juicy in Corinth, but Paul is not looking forward to the heartache. So now everybody gets your Bibles going. And it's Second Corinthians chapter 13 is what we're going to be reading today. And this is going to be the last one. Second Corinthians chapter 13. 
This is the third time I am coming to you. Every fact is to be confirmed by the testimony of two or three witnesses. I have previously said that when present the second time, though now absent, I say in advance to those who have sinned in the past and all the rest as well, that if I come again, I will not spare anyone. Boy, that's a threat. Since you are seeking proof for Jesus who speaks in me and who is not weak towards you but mighty in you, for indeed he is crucified because of weakness, yet he lives because of the power of God. For we also are weak in him, yet we will live with him because of the power of God directed towards you. Test yourself to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves. Or do you not recognize this about yourself, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fall to, fail the test? But I trust that you will realize that we ourselves do not fail the test. Now we pray to God that you do no wrong, not that we ourselves may appear approved, but, but even though that we may appear unapproved. But, can I do that right? But that you may do what is right, even though we may appear unapproved. For we can do nothing against the truth, for only the truth. For we rejoice when we ourselves are weak, but you are strong. This all we also pray for, that you be made complete. For this reason I am writing these things while absent, so that when I present, when I when present, I will need not to use severity in accordance with the authority which the Lord gave me for building up and and not for tearing down. Okay, the last part is greetings and benedictions. Finally, brethren, rejoice, be made complete, and be comforted. Be like-minded, live live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss, and all the saints greet you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So this is the third time, since we're starting to reread the the notes at the bottom. This is the third time coming to you. And the second first visit, the second was likely the painful visit. Remember that from our last readings. And the third was the one that he's about to undertake. And then Paul warned, if necessary, trials are going to be held when he comes, which Jewish rules of evidence giving would be applied. And you yourselves are emphatic. Um, He says, it is yourselves, not I, whom he should examine. And they failed to pass the test. They are not members of the household of faith. The genuineness of their faith also proved the genuineness of Paul's ministry among them. And then that you may complete that they fully restored to spiritual health and then um, act early and clean witness to be belief and okay, wait, excuse me, and early and clear witness to the belief in the Trinity. That's why I loved reading that last part, to the grace of Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. So that was the end of that chapter. So next next chapter will be in Galatians, Galatians. And uh I look forward to that. We've been in Corinthians a very long time. And I do like the Corinthians, but you know, they're irritating me and the more I read about them the more I get irritated. <laughs> so uh, I hope you're blessed in that knowledge of of how far we've made it through the Bible and you may listen to all the old shows too that we're going through the Bible step by step and we're now, next week, we'll be into Galatians. So, right now, I'm just finding, um, I'm looking at my little guidepost to read you guys a story of my beloved guidepost, little book here. And um, stories are really powerful. Um, I just thank God that I ended up with this book. Um, I don't even remember where I got it from, but where it's from, I love it. 
Okay, so let's do the leap of faith. I don't think we've read this one. Okay, this is a leap of faith. It's by David Michael Yoder III in Mobile, Alabama. The windows of base operation room in the U.S. Coast Guard are stationed in Elizabeth City, North Carolina, rattled as 600-mile-per-hour gusts from the worst storm of the year last the base. Staring silently into the rain-slash-blackness, I was despondent, a feeling shared by three other crewmen of our H-60 rescue helicopter. We had just received word that three exhausted men were about to abandon hope as the fierce Atlantic seas battered their dis- disabled 41-foot catch, the Malachite. This was what we were trained for, why our unit existed, but we couldn't help. The men were beyond our reach. The H-60 had a 300-mile operating radius, and the sailboat was about 400 miles offshore. We could get there, but we would never make it back. The New York ship was about 10 hours from the sailor's position, and they wouldn't last that long. I clenched my fists in frustration. This had been my first offshore rescue mission. I had joined the Coast Guard because I wanted to save lives, but in my gut, I had the feeling churning grasp of fear. Would I have been able to do it? As an aviation survival man, I was trained to assist shipwreck victims, but I was a greenhorn. Life would depend on me, and I was terrified that I would fail. Then the lieutenant, Bruce Jones, our pilot, broke the silence. Bermuda, he said. Our head snapped up. If we continued on to Bermuda, we might be able to make it, he said, excitement in his voice. Bermuda was 620 miles from the base, the extreme limit of our helicopter's range. Even under ideal conditions, the H-60 could never be, ever be flown to Bermuda from the States. In the midst of a storm, stopping it to hoist the sailors aboard, it would be a touch and go. After calculating our fuel reserve, we figured that we'd be 30 minutes to save the men. The H-60 couldn't stand land in water. I would have to be lowered from the deck to the sailboat and help the sailors to a rescue basket. My heart pounded with excitement and apprehension as we took off into the raging blackness punctuated by jagged flashes of lightning. For two and a half hours, the H-60 shuddered and pitched as the storm-fed gusts slammed into it. I could hear Lieutenant Jones and the co-pilot, Lieutenant J.G. Randy Watson, over the intercom, refiguring the distance and the field calculation. They were convinced that our safety margin was narrowing. The winds and the bone-rattling turbulence were even stronger than the forecast. But I was alone with my thoughts. How can that boat survive this? Will I be able to get aboard to help them? Will it be afloat when I get there? Below, a angry flashes in the blackness were towering white flicked waves. I thought of the worst scenario. The crew had already been in the water, and I would have to go in after them. Can I do it? Will I jump into the uh, seas? I felt a cold sweat in my body. Then we saw the boat illuminate our searchlight was a malachite. Shreds of her sails in the intense wind broke down immense waves that loomed over her mass, which went back and forth. The crew radioed that they were taken on water and they wouldn't be able to 
kind of yawning with side hats of the helicopter with my feet dangling over the side. My worst fears were realized. There was no way I could be lowered into the, the boat's deck, not the way these masts were whipping. My fingers hurt from clenching the, the sill of the hatch. For the men to be rescued, they would have to jump into the ocean, and I would have to go in after them. Lieutenant Jones's voice cracked through the headphones of my helmet. The boat's sinking, Dave. You want to go in? Will you do it? I hesitated. I didn't have to go, and nobody would blame me if I decided not to. The blackness below terrified me. The cold sweat poured under my diver's dry suit. The earphones cracked again. You have to go now, Dave. I looked down into the raging blackness. God, what should I do? I silently prayed, and the answer was immediate. I had a choice. These men below had no options. I had always professed to believe in God, and if I ever had to prove it, this would be this leap of faith, and it turned to a flight mechanic. Dave Barber would not. Phew, my heartbeat crackled once more. 30 minutes, Dave. That's all the time we have. I didn't need further explanation. The copter would have to be in 30 minutes whether I boarded or not. The rest of the crew wouldn't be able to be jeopardized if one man had to be left behind. My stomach was in knots, but I made my choice. I rode down the sling and jumped. As soon as I touched the water, the force of the sea tore me from the cable. Where, rising on the crest of each wave, I frantically searched for the boat, hoping the survivors would be nearby, but the boat was gone. Finally, in the glare of the top searchlight, I spotted one. Excuse me. I spotted one man, first man, then held out to him and snagged the rescue basket as I danced wildly to the end of the tether. After helping him and seizing the hoist, I checked my watch. It had been 15 minutes. There's still time. Then I tossed the crest of another gigantic wave and spotted a second man. Just a few minutes left, Lord. Give me the strength to keep this one too. I was tiring, and the sailor in his weakened state couldn't help much. I struggled to lift him into the basket, and when he made it, I took a deep breath and tried to still my trembling hands. I looked for the third man, but all I could see was white caps. That's it, I thought. We were fortunate to get two, and then suddenly a searchlight flashed through the flying spray. There was a third man. Although I was exhausted, I began swimming, feeling any, feeling any of my remaining strength to drain. Could I get him to the basket when I reached him? When I got closer, I wondered if he was even alive. Suspended in his life jacket, he was bobbing on the waves. Then he rolled his head up and with an exhausted expression looked me in the eye. My heart jumped. I tried to lift him into the basket, but each time I couldn't make it to the last few inches. We both splashed back into the water. Finally, with strength that was outside my own, I gave it one last heave and he was in. I've done it. Thank you, God. I thought the worst was over. I glanced at my watch. Five minutes to go. I signaled for the cable to come down without the basket. And the way the basket was flailing, it would be quicker for me just to ride the cable back up. With two minutes to spare, I grabbed the end of the cable. But it was as if I was about to be hoisted. The monstrous ray flopped me high in the air and spun me upside down. The cable snapped taut, leaving me entangled and underwater. For an instant, I didn't think I would come back up, but the fear was gone. I had made my leap of faith and put myself in God's hand. And if you want me now, Lord, I'm ready, I prayed. 
Then the cable jerked and I was out of the water and being cranked up towards the helicopter. Yet, I was still not out of danger. As I watched helplessly, I saw the cable fray and unravel until only one of the three strands remained intact. I was swinging wildly at the end of the tether until 20 feet of its, within 20 feet of the chopper and 30 feet above the waves. If that was the third strand broke, I would be lost. There would be no way for the chopper to pick me up, even if I survived the fall. But Dave Barber worked the frayed cable up to the door, wrestled me in, and relief washed over me as I settled back on the, inside the helicopter. Great job, Dave, Lieutenant Jones's voice cracked in my headset. Not bad for a first rescue. For more than five hours in the air, we landed in Bermuda and still had 50 minutes of fuel left thanks to a strong tailwind. When it was all over, we watched the video of our mission and the scenes of the, mo- the mountainous waves showed us just how big a miracle had occurred. The rescue operation had been beyond the ordinary human and mechanical abilities of our helicopter and crew. God definitely had been watching over us and over those men. And even though I always believed in God, this really put the lid on it for me. That meant I was a greenhorn no longer in more ways than one. Thank you, God, for that story. I really enjoyed that. Thank you so much. We only had a couple minutes left. And let's read a little meditation for the day. And it says, um, we're now on November 15th, so let me read today's day. It says, delegate freely and check on it every chance you get. When we ask that something be done, we do it, let go, and let the job get done. Or do we worry when we don't get it done on time or we want it? Part of learning to trust others is to learn when we let go and when let other people handle something in their own way. Back today, remember, requests were made. Perhaps we asked an employee for assistance, a child to do a project, or a partner to do something important. After we made the request, did we then let go or were filled with worry and doubt whether the request would be honored? Today, we will let go of our request and trust all will be taken care of. If it is not, then it doesn't mean we can never trust anyone again. It just may mean our request was unreasonable or other circumstances intervene. It's okay if we make a request and don't get the results to meet our expectations. Trust doesn't mean that we get what we want, when we want it, and how we want it. Trust means having enough faith to ask another and let go. Tonight, we will let go of our request unhonored today. So if it doesn't work out and the request isn't honored, we let go and just know it's what's for the best. I want to thank everybody for listening to our little Bible study this morning and my little mistakes and hesitancies. And please pray for me and keep me in your prayers because I need it. And I thank you so much. And God bless you in every way. And let's say our closing prayer together as we bow our heads, thinking of those, all others that are hurt and that we can help through our prayer. God. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the thing I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. So I thank you for joining Sacred Sunday. Please come back next week, and we will start Galatians. And in closing, God bless and keep you in his loving arms that you may have the strength to face whatever is ahead. Just remember you're never alone. God's love goes everywhere. And may your dreams come true and true love live in your heart. God bless you. Amen.